there's an old story about a father who gave his son two 50 cent pieces as uh, they head as he heads for kids church. Uh, he told the boy that he should give 50 cents uh, to the offering uh, and but he, he could keep the other one to get an ice cream after church. Now as the boy walked down the street, he accidentally dropped one of the 50 cent pieces which then rolled into a storm drain and disappeared. And the boy looked for a moment down the drain and then he slowly looked towards the sky and said, well, Lord, there goes your money. (laughs) It's a tricky subject, isn't it, when we talk about giving and uh, it's one that sparks off all kinds of reactions within us about what might be ours and what might not be. But it's a perfect opportunity when we get to December to talk about the topic of giving because it is, in fact, the month of giving. Our series this month is called Heart to Heart. And uh, when it comes to giving, it certainly is a matter of the heart. And what we wanted to do this December was to examine our hearts, if you like, to look at the things that are close to God's heart Uh, and how he wants to transform our hearts in five key areas this December. So last week we looked at, uh, on the 3rd of December, a heart to share the good news, focusing on evangelism and and sharing the good news about Christmas time with others. This week, 10th of December, it's a heart to give our resources. So we're going to examine what that looks like today. Next week, when we honour and thank everyone, Uh, for their service in the life of the church on December 17. It's going to be a heart to serve in ministry, so we're going to take some time on that. On Christmas Eve, when we've got our kids in with us, it's going to be a heart to sow into the next generation and thinking beyond, if you like, our age group and our friend group and how we sow into those that are younger than us. On December 25, Christmas Day, it'll be a heart to receive the gift of Jesus. That's a pretty natural time to do that one. And then on the last day of the year, as we look forward into the year that's to come, we're going to look at a heart to obey the will and the word of God and find talk about how we're going to do that next year. So today's message is part of that plan and I trust that you are going to engage with all of those topics over the weeks to come. Um, When we come to giving, you often hear me say here at the church, that giving as an act um, comes from God, that the idea of giving uh, is not something that we thought up. It's not something that, you know, we're just born with a natural desire to do. In fact, left to our own devices, while some things perhaps come intuitively, there are other things in relation to giving that are not natural, that, that we tend to accumulate and gather things to ourselves and when it comes to you know, releasing resources for the good of others, we're not always naturally or that intuitively programmed to do that. So we need, if you like, an example or an impetus to think beyond ourselves uh, and, and to naturally to want to give beyond ourselves uh, when it comes to giving. And God gives us the cue when it comes to giving. Firstly... Uh, we read in the scriptures that God gives life. It says in Acts 17 verse 25 that uh, God gives himself, uh, gives everyone life and breath 
uh, and everyone and everything else. So it's a very simple statement that God gives life and breath and everything else. I don't know if there's any wiggle room <laughs> there with stuff that God doesn't give. And uh, what we uh, see from that, of course, and, and one of the great joys when it comes to being a parent is that desire of a couple that gets married to then say, we want to share our happiness with someone else, then leads them to say, we're going to have a child. And it's a beautiful decision to make. And when that occurs, it's very much acting after their intuitive nature that's given to them when they're created as human beings because we're created in the image of God and we, we have this desire to share our happiness. And that's exactly what God did when he gave you life. God exists as a triune person, Father, Son and Holy Spirit in perfect fellowship, loving and deferring to each other and God says, let us share our happiness and our joy and our glory with others. And incredibly, he sets apart a creation. The earth that we live in is a miracle and then he places people within that in order to know him and enjoy uh, himself and his nature and the rest of his creation. So God gives life. It's part of who he is. And when parents give life, they share in that actual act or that action. And when we as a community, as a church community or as people share what we have, share our life with others, we say to others, here, have something of me, receive some of my joy and my happiness, then we act in the nature of God. So giving as an idea comes from God. It's not just a something, it's not, oh, you know, the government says let's raise a few taxes and, you know, try and we need to get a few things together to make things happen. It, it, that's not what it's about when we talk about giving. We talk about following in the ways and the will of God. Now, the other good news is that God gives good things. It says in Acts chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, and this is one of the great sermons that Paul preached in Acts. He's talking to a group of people that um, didn't know of God and weren't aware of his claims. And he, he says, In the past he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons, he provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. And it's a beautiful picture of God having given life and then having set us in this creation, then provides for us. And not just for people that know him and call out his name, but Paul says here, for everyone. You, whether you're a person who acknowledges God or ignores him or has never heard of him or doesn't know what Jesus is about, we are proclaiming to you today that God is in the process of giving you things right now. That, that God has given you life, that God is now providing for that life and that you are the beneficiary of his grace. And it's his um, ultimate desire that you would come into a saving relationship with him. You would call him your heavenly father that you would know Jesus alive inside of you, that Christmas would be a reality. Some of you remember me sharing the story last week. It just so happened that I 
gave my life to Christ in November 1983 as a 17-year-old, walked out the front of my local church. And so the Christmas that followed just a few weeks later was the first Christmas service I'd ever attended. My family didn't go to church. And I attended as a believer, as a Christian. And I'm wondering where you are at that place in your life at the moment. It's our deepest desire here at the Hills Christian Family Centre that you would experience a Christmas and then another and another and another and another. Not just I came to church or I gave a present or I'm with my family, but you'd experience it as a child of God. That, That the joy of knowing the true purpose of Christmas would be yours. And friends, better now than later on. It's your invitation. And we'd love to be that, that, that be the story for you. So God gives life, God good, gives good things. And what I just said about Christmas time naturally leads to perhaps the most famous scripture in the Bible, certainly in Christianity and definitely when it comes to giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Christmas itself is a gift. Jesus is a gift. It's a gift from the Heavenly Father, and it has a purpose. It's meant to change your life. It's meant to set you on a course where life not only goes on forever, but it's full to the brim. Because even if you're a person who appreciates the good things of life and has plenty of things that you would call your own and you have lots of enjoyment. If Jesus isn't there, there's something missing. If Jesus isn't at the centre of your Christmas, it's actually not really Christmas. If Jesus isn't in your life, your life is not yet complete. And we don't want anyone to miss out on the goodness and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. We don't want anyone to fail to receive that gift. If you have not received that gift yet, I encourage you, as you're listening to me, as the the good news about Jesus is being preached, make a plan to not miss out on it this year. Make a plan to experience Christmas as a child of God and as a follower of him. Put yourself in the place where you are today, where it's being proclaimed over you and spoken over you. So God gives his son uh, and uh, gives, God gives life, God gives good things, he gives his son. And just to round out the picture before we start talking about our response to this, uh, the spirit and the son themselves give life. It says later in John's gospel, a few chapters on, that the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. So when we say at church, read your Bible, your brain perhaps is a part of it that says he's a pastor, he would say that. He, that there's not much going on in his life, That's, he just does that. You know, poor fella, <laughs> we'll just smile at him, but I don't know what he's talking about. Some crazy book written on a thousand years ago, why would we do that? Well, basically, quoting Jesus, I'm going to gang up, I'm going to get on his side, pull alongside him, hide behind him and say, because his words are of the Spirit, as in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and that they have life. So if you're a person that's feeling a bit dead, 
If you're a person that's feeling a bit disconnected, if you're a person that's feeling a bit down, if you're a person that's feeling a bit defeated, maybe you're a person that's feeling like you're disconnected from life or anything good in it, that's why I would say read your Bible. Because as Jesus speaks over you, we proclaim by the power of the Holy Spirit, things change for you. That your life suddenly comes alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. That your life begins to change. And I've seen it where it's almost as if death drops off. Defeat can't stand in the presence of Jesus. Despair and desperation must go when the word of Jesus is proclaimed over you. That's why we say, that's why we want you to be here every week receiving the preaching of the word and that's why we want you to connect with Jesus because he's the only source of life, he's the only source of fullness in it and the gift is offered to all. It's free in the sense that you can't earn it, you can't win it, but it's, it's there and it's offered to you today. And so we just encourage you that God is the giving God He gives our life and then the question becomes, well, how do we respond to that? And that's where I want to spend the rest of this message talking about giving and what that looks like. When I said that uh, I experienced my first Christmas as a Christian, a few weeks after I'd I'd made a decision for Christ, committed myself to him, uh, I also, if you like, discovered the practice of giving weekly Uh, something of what I had earned to God and uh, it was because I'm a person that uh, likes facts and figures I don't know if you're into sport you want to come and talk to me about dates and totals and teams and victories Uh, I can rattle off the grand finalists in the SNFL from 1970 no 1970 up to 19 I can do that it's true Anne you're impressed, I know. You're wanting to hear who they are. Shall I start? I'll catch you after, maybe. But anyway, so, so I, I love facts and figures and all that kind of thing. So then, you know, this idea of giving 10% of your income, well, I was excited about that. That was a chance to make a calculation. <laughs> and, and so I got it into the little envelope and put it in. So that was really exciting. So the idea of giving to God, uh, being part of my Christian life, I, that felt pretty natural to me and I was pretty excited about it in response to what I'd given him. So I want to invite you to have a think about three things when it comes to giving that we can do. Now this, um, this title here, I spent a lot of time thinking about what it should be right. I, I first thought of give expectantly, but I didn't know if I liked the sound of that. So then I went to give confidently and that's where I stopped. But then I thought maybe it's even better to say give filled with faith or give faith-filledly. Not faithfully, as in give often, but give filled with faith. And this is a sensitive subject because uh, some have taken the promises that surrounding given, have made them into uh, these sort of perverted, uh, what some may call a prosperity gospel or, uh, you know, this idea that you give to get. And by God's grace, it's never something that we're going to preach here. Let me know if you've heard it. But we're not talking about that here today. However, what we have to acknowledge in the scriptures is that there is a thing that I call the economy of God 
that Jesus invites us to step into. It's his speaking here on the screen in front of you. And it's, it's this world where giving is expected, giving is um, part of the life of following in the footsteps of God, but it also, as we open ourselves up and release what we have, we step into this abundance, this abundant life, the Bible calls it, where we just are in this place of fullness, where we are able to give thanks for the things that we receive. It's not that we become rich or or are surrounded by things, but even the things that we have, we're able to say that's a gift from God. That's a a giving act of God. And Jesus makes this amazing promise that has been seared into my heart where he says, give and it'll be given to you. And then he just doesn't think, oh, I better not say anything more about that because people might take me the wrong way. He doesn't back off, but then he goes, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So when I tell you to give and you're thinking, ah, I don't have enough, I can't, I'm actually saying on behalf of the authority of Jesus, it's good for you to give. It's good for us to release. It's good for us to share. It's good for us to sow into the lives of others because we step into an economy of God that's abundant and full in its provision for us. It's a wonderful place to live. And I encourage you, don't hold back in any sense. Don't hold back in any respect. I know by God's grace that this church here is full of givers of all different types, of all different measures. And I rejoice in that and I love that. But I encourage you with this verse here today that it's a response to the promises of God to step into that. This verse, uh, I'll never forget, was seared into my heart on a very interesting evening. Once Judy and I and our two kids came home from church on a Sunday night when we were worshipping at Seton. Um, It was in the year, I think it was 2002. 11, I've calculated Jude. I don't know why that's important, but I said I was into figures, so it's important to give you the year because you're all desperately wanting to know how long ago it was. So that was the year. And we came home and on our front doorstep was a hamper, just like one of those, full of stuff. And we're thinking, what's this? What's this all about? We're going in the front door, there's this big hamper, we pick it up, we think maybe it's in the wrong place, why would it be here? And we take it inside and we're sort of looking for identification, who's it for, who's it from, nothing on it whatsoever except a small card and that scripture, that was it. We still don't know to this day who delivered it, why it was there, it was just had this scripture. And when we opened it and we started to look at it, we noticed that it was full of stuff that each of us liked, me, Jude, Josh and Emily, it was really strange. There was something in that hamper that really each of us was one of our favourites. So I don't know who organised that or how that happened. I like to think it was a miracle, but I'm just like that because I live in pastor land. But um, 
Everything's a miracle when you're... No, no, anyway. Well, you need, every, you need everything to be a miracle when you're a pastor. Uh, but like, no, anyway. Um, so, so that was really interesting. And that happened at a time when Jude and I were being tested in lots of different ways. Financially, through ministry, the, the call to give and go on giving. Uh, it was really... We are in a place where we were being tested at that time. And... I remember reading this note and I sat down in a lounge and I did cry. I, I'm putting it out there, I cried. Because I realised that God was speaking to me and God was saying, son, you will never, uh, I will never be in your debt. Uh, God is no one's debtor. God doesn't owe anyone anything. And that as we step off and accept that promise and believe that it's true, God reveals himself to us through abundance of life and provision and joy and gladness and goodness in ways that we never, ever, ever get over. And he was reminding me that you can give with confidence. You can give with faith. You can give with joy because God responds. God steps us through. It's not... As the Apostle Paul said, he's learnt to be content in all situations when he has abundance, when he has lack. It's not that we always live in happy land and we can put our hand on anything we want to. But in that process and in that joy, we know that God's our provider and that God walks out throughout that space. So give with faith, give confidently is our first response that we're invited into. Second one, give cheerfully. Now Paul in 2 Corinthians continues this idea of reaping sparingly or reaping generously and based on how we sow. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There's the promise again that Jesus himself uttered. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. There's our word heart again. Not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And, there's an, and here, here comes another promise, and God is able to bless you abundantly, his words, not mine, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So our ability to do that is a result of God blessing us abundantly so that at the time when we need to be able to do a good work, whether it's give a gift or give a word or give a hug or, or give a home or whatever it might be, God provides so that we can do that work. And when I look at that line, for God loves a cheerful giver, I think to myself that I guess when the Bible invites us to do something, I'm assuming that the potential for us not to do it exists. So I guess it's possible not to be a cheerful giver. <laughs> and when we think about that, we think, well, how's that possible? And I, I want to invite you to think it's possible to be a grumpy giver, <laughs> believe it or not. It's possible to be a resentful giver. We can accept the idea of giving. We can accept that, yeah, well, I guess we should and, and not enter into the joy or the cheer that's contained without that in any way. It can simply be a ritual. It can simply be a requirement. It can simply be just, you know, a drag. And we find at that point that the love of God is not in that act. 
that just giving for the sake of it is, is not what God's requiring. So Paul releases the people that he's speaking to and said, you need to get this sorted out inside first. You need to give according to where your heart is at. It seems he's releasing followers that if they can't do it with joy and with cheer, well, friends, perhaps not do it at all because that really is not the act of giving. So God encourages us, Paul encourages us to set aside in our heart what we've decided to give, not to do it reluctantly or under compulsion. So all the giving that occurs in this church is free will. I don't use that word a lot, but I want to remind you of that today. It's free will. We will never stand up here and say you must. Never, ever, never. You'd lose all your joy. You'd lose your reward. You'd lose your cheerfulness. So we don't do that here. It's always free will because we want you to experience the joy that's contained in that scripture. We, we, we want you to be a cheerful giver and, and to just rejoice in the God who gives and to respond to him with giving. So give confidently, give with faith, give cheerfully. Uh, and then finally, um, uh, which I would like to spend a bit of time on, is give sacrificially. Now... Um, 2 Corinthians, uh, the chapter beforehand, when Paul's speaking to the believers, he says, Since you excel in many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm and your love from us, I want you to also excel in this gracious act of giving. For those of you who know a bit of the background um, to Paul's letters to the Corinthians, it's a church in the city of Corinth uh, that Paul writes to and Uh, they're all pretty excited about the spiritual life that they've got going on in their church. They've got the gifts going, got the the praising God going. They they feel like they're pretty good and they're pretty excited about what's happening. And Paul has to speak into the life of that church and he opens up in 1 Corinthians by gently saying, this has to be done in love. Love has got to be present in Uh, your midst. And then he challenges them in his second letter and says, look, I know you've got all that, but I want you to not only excel in those areas, but I want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. That, that, That they need to add to that excellence that they've got in the other areas, the excellence of giving. And I want to invite you and I want to spend a bit of time trying to reflect on this and grapple with this. What does it mean to be an excellent giver. In God's eyes, what does it mean to excel at giving? Now, the temptation which we all face because of our society is, oh, well, that must mean giving lots of money. Well, not necessarily. Most of you remember the story when a woman walked forward to the offering plate and put in two pennies. And compared to all of the gifts that were being loaded in around that time, perhaps we would have thought, oh, well, (laughs) you know, not sure if that's excellent, but anyway. But Jesus singles her out and says, that's all she's got to live on. She is pouring into that jar her life for that week. And he said, "That's, that's excellent giving. 
So what we like to talk about here, what I would like to talk about in the life of our church is equal sacrifice when it comes to money, not equal giving. Some of us here, by God's grace, we can put in quite a bit of money each week, special offerings, no problems at all. Some of us here are uncertain about what our budget looks like next week. Some of us here, money is a totally different proposition at your stage in life, where you are at the moment. So to give financially is a real challenge. And we want to honour and accept that by the authority of Jesus honouring that woman that put in two cents. We say that some sacrifices, even though they might involve a smaller monetary amount, are more greater than what someone else has made who's just said, this is spare, you can take that. You know, this is, have that. It's not no difference to my life. It's extra. Pour it in. It's great to release that, but sometimes there's actually a different heart going on in that situation. So we want to invite to ourselves to excel in this act of giving. Now, the second thing that's going to really affect all of you and me is the fact that giving is far more than money. And this is so hard sometimes for us to get our heart around. And this is where giving is an act of the heart, where we give our energy, where we give our time, where we give our emotions, where we give our attention, where we give our space and say, you can come into my space at my home on Sunday, wherever it might be. And this is where we're really tested. And this is a challenge for all of us and I have to be renewed in it all the time where we say, yeah, yeah, I will give my attention to this. I'll give my attention to you. I'll serve in this ministry. I'll give my time. Uh, I will focus on this. And when we give sacrificially, that's when we start to step into a lifestyle where we change our plans for the glory of God. That's excellent giving. That's sacrificial. That's where we say, no, I'm not going to pursue that activity because I'm going to serve in this capacity. That's where we say, <laughs> I'm not going to build that house or, or buy that car because I'm going to put my resources into this thing instead. That's where we say, I'm not going to have this job or this career anymore because I need time and energy and focus to serve in this way instead. And that's where we allow God to step into our space where we change our plans. That's where we might say, look, I'd love to hang out with my friends or, for you introverts, be on my own, (laughs) but I'm going to instead give my attention and time to these people who need to hear from me, who need to be acknowledged and recognised by me. And friends, that's a challenge. That's not easy. That's hard. But it's a great place to live. And I know as Judy and I have journeyed over the years and you know, had to face challenges at many times to make certain decisions to serve in particular ways, I can say with a fact that even though at times it's testing, when I look back and think, gee, what if we had stayed there? Or what if we had have made that decision? Or what if we had have not given on that occasion? And I realise within myself that the Spirit of God simply does not allow us when he reigns in our lives to remain in that state. That the Spirit of God is heading out of us. I read once that the Spirit of God forces us out 
of where we are, forces us out of our comfort. It's been said that the ministry of the church is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. <laughs> that, that we just can't, the spirit's alive and he's reaching out to people. He's connecting. You can't, you have to douse it and it's not even possible because he's alive in you and he's connecting and he wants to get out and we have to flow with that. Friends, it's true that giving, according to the scriptures, involves an abundant life, but I want to invite you for just a second to think about the excellence of Jesus' giving. And Jesus didn't say no more. Jesus went all the way and even sacrificed his own life to give into the mission and ministry of God. And I'm going to acknowledge as much as anyone else today, that's hard. At times, that hurts. It's not easy to give sacrificially. It tests us in so many different ways. But friends, it's a sacrifice and an offering and a gift that is worthy of the one that's been given to us in Jesus Christ. And we're invited to do that. So I want to encourage you in that way to give sacrificially as well. Okay, we're moving towards the end now. We're going to wrap this up. But I want to make a couple observations. Um, Firstly, again quoting Jesus out of Luke 12, uh, giving, uh, I've got the headline there, is that giving changes our heart. What I mean by that is Jesus says, says something very interesting at the end of this. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There's the word heart again, works with the series, uh, must be a good series. Um, but Jesus is saying, it's the order of things on this occasion, he's saying put your treasure there because your heart will go there. So you think when you're giving financially or you're giving of your time or you're giving of your energy or whatever, you think, oh, well, you know, I'm giving because I feel like I should, and that's part of it, but you're also helping yourself by moving your treasure and placing it, if you like, in the storehouse of God. You're placing it with him. So you're actually doing yourself a favour when you assign your treasure to a particular place to the mercy and to the ministry of God because it actually takes your heart there at the same time. Whereas if You've got wealth stored up here or it's invested in this or that's your priority or that's your thing or this far and no further, then in some sense that's where your heart is naturally going to go. Jesus is warning us of both a promise and a problem that exists when it comes to where our treasure is. So sometimes I think we should give even when we don't necessarily feel it inside because we can actually help ourselves out by saying, I'm just going to put it there. (laughs) I'm going to get it out of here and put it there because that's where I want my heart to be. I I want to go in that direction. I want to be in that way. So that's another warning. And finally, a giving promise before we look at some facts and figures. Paul says when he's writing to the Philippians that he's been generously supplied by the gifts that they've sent him through Epaphroditus. Not a lot of people using the name of Epaphroditus these days. Haven't heard many babies lately with that name. Not sure why it's dropped off. 
Effie? No, anyway. Pappy? No, don't know. Uh, They're a sweet-smelling sacrifice that's acceptable and pleasing to God, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs for his glorious riches, which have been given to us in who? Christ Jesus. So Paul makes that wonderful promise. And there's so many promises. Often Jesus and his disciples talk about the response that comes as we give, that it's a life-giving thing to do. Now I want to finish our message today just quickly with um, some facts and figures. This has been really exciting for me to prepare these slides. Um, We talked about these hampers. We've done this for a couple of years and as I said, we've got 26 of them over there. We've also done shoe boxes for Operation Christmas Child and i like to feed back to you how many we've given each year so you can be aware. When we first had a go at it in 2003, we collected 29. And we broke through the 100 mark, I think, five years ago and we've been there ever since. So um, I calculate our grand total over the years at 1,201 boxes $35 each, that's perhaps an approximate evaluation of what's gone into them and the postage that's paid for them. And that's worth $42,000 if you look at it in those terms. So I just want to say, church, again, thank you for that giving. Those boxes change lives overseas. You remember Judy gave that testimony about the book that's written about them. So it's great to have had 121 contributed again this year. So that's one of the ways we give here at our church. Another way is through our annual tithes and offerings. And it's a delight to have seen them increase in recent years. You can see there that the level that we're reaching this year in 2017 down the bottom is um, again an increase on last year. And we've been going up in great leaps and bounds for many years. You've responded to the challenge of leasing extra facilities Um, of uh, various options to cover ministry uh, appointments, which has been fantastic. And uh, we are really delighted with the way that that's going. Next year, I want to issue a challenge to our church to lift that giving again. And in our budget, we've set for $265,000. That's equal to $5,096 per week. It's an increase on what we're giving right now of $529 per week. It's equal to 11.59%. I just felt it was important to give you the actual figure there. Now, the good news is this is not to cover an increase in expenses next year. Our expenses are going to increase, I think, just under 2% according to our budget. The reason why we're going for this increase is to end the year with a surplus of $20,503. And we are planning and wanting that money to go towards the money that we're putting aside, uh, which will go towards a deposit for our building that, by God's grace, we're going to need quite soon. Currently, we have about $170,000 after our liabilities are taken out to put towards that, we'd love to push that towards $200,000. And for the moment, we've decided to try and do it through our weekly giving. So I want you to encourage, encourage you to consider that target and how you might contribute towards it. You might be thinking, well, Pastor, what can I do? Well, here's a faith step that you might be able to take next year. On the left, I've listed uh, various different situations where you might be currently at in your giving. You might give anything, 
Maybe give something when able, something weekly. Maybe you give 10% of your take-home pay or 10% of your pre-tax pay or maybe even more than that. And to the right is an invitation or an opportunity to move to the next level, to go to the next step. If you give nothing, then maybe it's time for you to say, hey, I'm actually going to put something into the offering bowl. I'm not going to leave it to others. I come to this church fairly regularly. I'm going to put something aside when I can. Maybe you're already doing that and the next challenge for you is to start putting something into the bowl on a weekly basis. That would be your faith step next year. Maybe you already do that and it's time for you to go to 10% of your take-home pay. We offer 10% as a, as a, a target that you can use. We encourage that to be on your pre-tax pay, but some people at the moment are just using their take-home pay. That's okay. If you're in that place, then you're going to try and go to 10% of your pre-tax pay. Judy and I, by God's grace, currently give in that to the life of the church. doesn't matter where I get my salary from, we are called on to give in return in that way as well. And we love doing that. We love our hearts in the church. We've placed our treasure there and we want to see it go well. So the conversation we're going to be having in the few weeks to come, Jude's smiling because she's had a few of these conversations with me over the years, is can we give more next year? And by God's grace, we're going to try and see if we can take that up to above 10% of our pre-tax pay and you might be already gloriously in that place so we're saying maybe you want to go a little bit further. Folks, the fact is this. If everyone here took one of those faith steps next year, you'd blow $20,000 out of the water probably three or four times over next year. If all of us took a faith step next year in terms of our weekly giving, no problems at all. So we just wanted to let you know we don't make a big song and dance about what we give here at the church but that's what we're aiming for next year so I want to encourage you over the weeks to come to think about that to see where you are on that list and where you might be able to go to and we're going to believe and trust that next year is going to be a great year and in terms the giving of the life of the church does that sound all right folks okay think about it but not say anything too loudly he might come and talk to me hey it's great isn't it Folks, we give because God gave. That's what it's all about. That's why. At Christmas time, God was willing to humble himself and become a baby, a young child that caused an incredible celebration that changed the course of human history, that changed the destiny of millions of people. And friends, I want to invite you to consider today, where is your destiny heading? How is your direction set? Are you heading along the pathway that Jesus has outlaid for you? I want to invite you now to pray with me and we're going to just come together and anoint this time as we look towards God, our Heavenly Father. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you are a good God. You are a good, good Father that you are generous, that you give life and love, that you give provisions. Lord, that you bless all people, even those who don't know you or acknowledge you. Your good gifts are evident every day in this earth. And Lord, we pray today that in terms of our hearts, 
you would give us, each of us, a heart to give, Lord. Not just money, but, Lord, of ourselves, our homes, our time, that we would acknowledge that, in fact, we're not owners, Lord, but we're stewards of the good gifts that you've placed within our care. So, Father, we pray today, change our hearts, transform our hearts. Help us to receive the good gift that you've given in Jesus. Help us to share the good gift that you've given in Jesus. Lord, make us a people and a church that's known for our giving, that's known for our generosity, that makes room for others to come in so that they might share in the joy and the love that we have. Father, I pray for every person in this room today. I ask that each of them would be able to step into your economy of abundant life and abundant love that would release freely everything that they've been blessed with so that they might receive your blessing, that they might receive a joy, a gift of joy into their lives as they sow with an abundant measure They also reap generously at the same time. Lord, I also want to pray for those people here today that haven't yet said yes to you, that that maybe know a bit about Christmas but they sort of do their own thing and they're not sure. Lord, I pray that there would be a breakthrough in their life this year, that they would stand forward and say, I'm now a follower of Jesus. I've made a commitment to him. I've dedicated my life to Jesus. I want to receive all of his gifts and I want to be blessed in the way that he plans to bless me. Father, I pray that that would be their testimony and their decision this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got a little bit of time here, church, to just close our service today by uh, worshipping together and I also do want to make available a time of prayer for people out the front as well. So if you'd like to get to your feet now, church, I'd like to invite our prayer ministry team. We're a bit cramped for space today. We've lost that side. So we're going to head over here and I just want to invite you uh, today, if you're a person that needs prayer for anything, whatever your situation, but maybe it relates to giving. Maybe it relates to something, an issue in your family this Christmas time. Giving's not so easy. Maybe it's not so easy to receive because of what's going on in your family. Whatever that is, we'd like to pray about that today. We'd like to speak a gift of generosity over you. Maybe an issue is not related to our message today, but it's something that you desperately need to bring before God. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe that the God we pray to is generous and good and gives good gifts. That's why we do it. We just believe in his heart and we believe in his willingness and his ability to do something about it. So as the team leads us, I'd like to invite you, if you need prayer, come down the front and we're going to pray for you now with our prayer ministry team. Thank you, folks.